Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we begin the study of a new book as we look at the book of Leviticus together. Now, I know Leviticus is not a favorite book of the Bible for most people, but it all points to Jesus. And that's the thing that we have to hold in mind as we read our way through this book is how does this point us to Jesus? Now, let me start that for you before we read the text. Leviticus is written by Moses. So Moses is the one that God has called to rescue, to deliver his holy people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. That's going to begin in 1446 BC when they cross the Red Sea after the 10 plagues. This text then, 1446, 1445, I mean, this is going to happen very early in the time of the Exodus because this priestly law is going to be set forth before God's people as early as possible, really. Probably after Sinai, but that's early in the Exodus account. So, really, the divine service is in mind here. When we think of divine service in the Lutheran Church today, we think of our worship. As we come to the Lord's house, it is called the divine service. Gottesdienst in German. Um, It is where we have the Lord serving us. Now, In this sense, it's almost the other way around. It's divine service, not as in God serving us, but man serving God. You know, man serving the divine. Leviticus is going to be about that. We're going to see the rituals of God's people. We're going to see the offerings they're supposed to make. We're going to see the rules about purity. We're going to see all the regulations around their holy days. All sorts of things like that that we get to learn about in this book. All of which detail the worship life of the people of God. Now, here's the connection point. Worship deals with the forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, it's about what you do by bringing offerings before God. But now, in Christ, in the New Testament, the new covenant that Christ shed his blood for, it's in Jesus. It's all been done. And so we, as we worship today, it truly is God serving us. It is not anything that we do for the Lord. That's something that a lot of Christianity today seems to have backwards thinking that worship is still an act of man, but worship is an act of God as he comes down to serve us with his very own body and blood in the Lord's Supper, with his holy word, which builds us up and encourages us. Our sins are forgiven, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. So this is the goal of Leviticus, is to see See the beauty of this. See how intricate everything was in the worship life of God's people and how he has now replaced it in Jesus. There are still things that we can talk about with our worship, and I'll try to bring those out as we go through, but this is pointing to Jesus. So, all right, let's dig in. Leviticus chapter 1. Yahweh called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to Yahweh, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before Yahweh. 
he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before Yahweh, and Aaron's sons the priest shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it in pieces. And the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons the priest shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to Yahweh. If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from the sheep or goats, he shall bring a male without blemish, and he shall kill it on the north side of the altar before Yahweh. And Aaron's sons the priest shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar, and he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat, and the priest shall arrange them on the wood that is on the fire of the altar. But the entrails and the legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall offer all of it, and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to Yahweh. If his offering to Yahweh is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. And the priest shall bring it to the altar, and wring off its head, and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out on the side of the altar. He shall remove its crop with its contents, and cast it beside the altar on the east side, in the place for ashes. He shall tear it open by its wings, but shall not sever it completely, and the priest shall burn it on the altar and on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to Yahweh. All right, so chapter 1, this is the word of the Lord. Sorry, forgot that today. Chapter 1 is the law of the burnt offering. We're going to see various types of offerings as we go through these first few chapters of the book. It's laying out how the sins of God's people are going to be forgiven. We're going to see that in verse 4 here. So God calls to Moses from the tabernacle, from the tent of meeting, which the promise is the ark of the covenant is the throne of God. It sits there and it's from that ark that the Lord is going to speak to his people. From his throne he will speak to those he reigns over, right? So he gives Moses, in a sense, a prophet's work. Moses is to take the word of God and relay it to the people. That's what prophets do, so I guess we can consider Moses in that group, especially here. They are to bring animals, an offering, from the herd or from the flock. They are not to take a wild animal and offer it, right? This is an offering. It is a sacrifice. They are giving of something of their their own. There's there's a, a weight to that. There's an importance to that. They feel it, right? Um especially with the firstborn conversation that often will enter into this this depiction as well. It calls upon you to trust in Yahweh, that he will provide, that he will care for you. We'll see that theme, I think, as we go through Leviticus as well. So burnt offerings you can offer from the herd. So from the herd, this is going to be a reference to something larger like a bull, for example, um, that we'll see here. So the, the owner of that animal that is offering it, we're going to see here in a moment, is to bring that animal in, well, at least to the entrance of the tent. But first, we learn a detail. The animal must be a male and without blemish. We'll often see a year old attached to that later on. So a question for your children, a difficult question for your children, why does the offering have to be male and why without blemish? That means nothing wrong with it. And all of this is going to be to point us to Jesus. Jesus is male. Jesus is without blemish, right? He's perfect. 
That's the goal here. That's the aim is for people to already be seeing a connection that's coming that the Lord is making for them. It's also the sacrificial nature of things, as we were talking about before. The trust picture, trusting that God will provide. If you have one bull and you have four female cows, the, 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 the female can have many offspring. But without a male, you can't have that. And so the, that's a part of this picture. The firstborn son idea is ingrained into this as well. Um, that, that trust that the Lord will care for and provide more after you've given the first. Anyway, um, first isn't really mentioned in this text. Without blemish, perfect. Um, this gets picked up really in Malachi chapter 1, much later on, uh, you know, about a thousand years later. The priests are so, they're so tired of all the sacrifices, of all the blood, of, of all of it all. And, and the Lord rebukes them for having offered lame animals, blind animals, crippled animals, animals that are going to die anyway, right? These are not, these are not sacrificial. It's not a loss to the owner. And, and the Lord challenges them, would you give this to your governor? Would he approve of you or honor this? Why should I? Anyway, that's Malachi 1. They've been doing these offerings for a long time. All of these offerings, by the way, stay in place under the temple, even in Herod's day, in Jesus' time in the New Testament, until the destruction of the temple by Rome in 70 AD. That's when all these offerings are going to come to an end. It's good to get that out there in the first chapter, right? All right, so the man who makes the offering comes to the tent. So the entrance to the, the court, which it, it's not as big as it will be with the temple complex, but you've got the, the tent, the, tab, the tabernacle itself, and then you've got the, the curtain around it um, a little distance away. So he brings it to the entrance of the, temp, the tabernacle courtyard, might be the best way to say this. Uh, and he he lays his hand on it, and he kills it. He kills the bull before Yahweh so that he is accepted before Yahweh. And it makes atonement for him. To atone, I like to break that down in its, uh, those little five letters, at one. To atone for something is to make it at one again. So this, this sacrifice is going to make this man right with God. There is forgiveness here. See chapters 4 and 5 as the, the text moves on here in a few days where you actually see that actual word forgiveness get used. It's not as good as Christ because I sin much. There's n- there aren't enough bulls on this planet for me to be taken care of fully. So this is a foreshadowing of what's coming in Jesus. So he's going to then, he's killed his bull. The priests are going to take over. So the sons of Aaron, the priesthood uh, of Levi, that tribe, which is why this book is then called Leviticus. Um, the sons of Aaron, the priests, are going to take the blood of the bull. They're going to throw it on the sides of the altar. That's the altar of burnt offerings, which is standing outside of the tabernacle before its entrance. Um, And then they're going to take the bull. They're going to cut it into pieces, and they're going to lay it out on the altar, and they're going to burn it. Not... They're not going to lay it all out the same, as you see in verse 9. They're going to take certain parts of it. They're going to wash them, so they have a basin for washing which is, by the way, going to point us forward to baptism, um, that the tabernacle and the temple both have a, a place to wash something in water, as does your church with its baptismal font. 
That might be a question you can phrase to your kids, though. Where do we wash things at our church in, in worship? See if they can get the baptism. Which is the Greek word, by the way. Um, when you see something washed in the New Testament, the Greek word is baptizo, to baptize. All right, so they put it all in the fire. They burn it. There's another Old Testament connection here. Genesis 22, I believe it is, where Abram is told by God, Abraham told by God to sacrifice Isaac. And so he takes him up the mount. He's got the, the wood. He's got the fire. He's ready to go. He ties up Isaac. He binds him on top of this altar that he has there. And a very similar picture. The Lord provides a ram in the place of Isaac that is then offered instead. And that whole account points us forward to Christ on the cross, God sacrificing his own son for us. Again, these offerings do the same thing. They point us forward to the final perfect offering that is once and for all major theme of Hebrews. Old Testament priests have to do this every day. Jesus had to do it just once. The Old Testament priest would come in before God all the time and then he would leave once a year, specifically the Day of Atonement. That's Leviticus 16, I think, so a couple weeks from now. Jesus came in, he did his thing of offering the blood for the sacrifice for forgiveness, and then he sat down. He doesn't have to leave, he gets to stay. He continues to intercede before God for us. So lots of great connections to Jesus with this text. All right, if it's from the flock, so a smaller animal, a sheep or a goat, again, male, no blemish, kills it, the, the owner kills it on the north side of the altar. So he's actually in the, the court. He, the priests then are still the ones who handle the blood. They throw the blood against the altar. They cut the animal to pieces. Again, wash parts of it. They arrange it all out. And they burn it. It's a food offering. All of this is a food offering of the pleasing aroma to Yahweh. Um, we would agree that probably would smell nice, you know, uh, as we think of barbecues or things in our era. Not the same but just the picture of burning meat. We enjoy that smell um, as a people. And the Lord is enjoying this as a, a way of showing that he's receiving this offering from his people. Now, some might not bring larger animals. Some might bring birds. This might make you think of Mary uh, and the time when they bring Jesus to the temple in Luke chapter 2. That's going to connect to Leviticus 12. So I want to leave that for then. But there is a connection that we can cover certainly with that. So the priest is going to bring the bird forward to the altar. He's going to wring off its head. The blood will be drained on the side of the altar again, just as the blood from the bigger animals is. The crop is like a food storage area for a bird, so perhaps it's unclean in the sense that you don't know what the bird was storing. So let's, they just remove all that. Cleanliness and purity is an important part of Leviticus as well. The priest tears it open but does not completely break the body in two and then is burned as well. Lots of different types of offerings that we're going to see. I'm going to bring this question probably before you each day because this is the question for your children to help them understand what the purpose of this book is for us now. Why don't we do all this? Have you ever brought a bull, a goat, a sheep, a turtle dove, or a pigeon into your church, handed it to your pastor as you you know, killed it and then watched your pastor put it up on the altar and set it on fire? Why not? Why don't we do these things? We don't have to because Christ has done it for us. These offerings are for limited amounts of forgiveness, but Christ has forgiven us of all things. These had to be repeated all the time. Christ did it once for all. This is why in most 
architecture of our churches, the cross hangs on the wall mounted above the altar. It trumps, it triumphs over the altar. It is the better sacrifice, greater than that of old. So your altar today in your church is meant to point you back to the sacrificial system so that you remember what you used to have to do for forgiveness to be right with God, but you know that it has now been done for you in the blood of Christ, which is why the blood of Christ often will then sit upon that altar to be delivered to you. In Jesus' name, amen.